fellow watch lovers, nerds, enthusiasts, or however you identify. This is 40 and 20, the Watch Clicker podcast with your hosts, Andrew, and my good unbearded friend, Everett. Here, we talk about watches, food, drinks, life, and other things we like. Everett, how are you? Unbearded. Yeah, I know. You're naked. Unbearded. Yeah, I just had a, I was just sort of, actually, you know what it was? Uh, did you get some cheese from a cheeseburger stuck in it and realize it was kind of yucky? I saw a picture of Ted Cruz today. Oh, did you try to match it? I said, no, I did oh. the opposite. I saw a picture of Ted Cruz and I was like, you know, I've got the gray sort of around the chin. And I saw a picture of Ted Cruz and I was like, if my beard looks anything like that, it's got to come off. And I made that decision right then. <laughs> well, there's a lot of other people with beards out there. George Clooney. Yeah. I I don't know why that's the only other bearded person I can think of. Yeah, pull up a picture of it. Is Just, that your uh, phone? This is my phone. Yeah. Pull pull up a picture of a recent a recent Ted Cruz. It's he's got like a bit of a scraggly beard. Mine wasn't super scraggly, but it was just enough like it that I was like, "Yeah, nope, can't do it." Uh so it's gone. Uh undoubtedly it will be back because Oh, you know, I didn't realize that sort of a hair farmer. You didn't realize what? You know, I I didn't realize it was just, it didn't fill in on his chin. I thought that was deliberately shaved. Like he was looking General Burnsidesy. No. I obviously don't spend a lot of time looking at Ted. Um, so, right, I obviously had a much, like, more complete full beard than Ted Cruz, but there was enough. You also didn't look like a South Texas oil baron with, like, the gray <laughs> chops in your chin. I, you know, I just decided. Whatever. Time to restart. I, I saw that, and I was like... Sometimes Ted you Cruz just gotta made reset. Me mad today. I'm taking it off. Sometimes you just gotta reset. Yeah, that's right. You look very handsome and naked. Oh, hey, thanks. Also, your face looks cold. I'm wearing clothes. Just, I just want to be on record. Not for long. <laughs> Not for long. Andrew, how are you? I'm good. I'm tired. I'm worn out. I had a very busy weekend. We're frantically getting our house ready to put on the market, mm-hmm. which means every waking hour not spent wrangling children is spent on some manner of house project that we should have done years ago because then we would have enjoyed living our house more, uh, but we didn't. And now we're doing it so that we don't enjoy any of the benefits of our hard work. We've talked about my hallway, right? At the house in Springfield. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Hallway. Spent the entire time we lived there meaning to do it. Yep. Did it the day, did it the week we moved out, the week we sold the house, and it was gorgeous. I was yep. like, this house. It was like three hours of work. That's uh, so much of what we're doing. Like we we had this old, and it wasn't shitty, but we had a a 1950s fireplace with like a 1980s gas insert in it that was black with gold trim on it because that was the thing. And I was like, you know what? If I rattle can that gold outline and then whitewash the brick, that's going to look really good. And turns out it looks really good. So we've been living in this house for three years, hating that wall. And now I'm like, oh, this room is so bright and fresh and clean. In fairness to you, you've been working on that house constantly. Yeah. So it's not like you've just been sitting on your butt. No, I've been I've been allocating efforts elsewhere. Now all the 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 efforts are to uh, appeal as opposed to livability. Yeah, because we because right. I've I've taken those I've done those things. So over the next couple of days, I'm going to redo the floor in our main bathroom and we're going to paint everything. You know what I love about moving? So j- just for you at home, I did I did buy a house. You did? 
That's exciting. Yeah. Uh, starting to think about moving. We don't have to do anything to move. I yeah. mean, we have to pack, put our stuff in boxes, but we don't have to do anything. Yeah. That's really exciting. It's and, a nice part about being in a rental. And the house we're moving into... Doesn't need anything. It needs nothing. We did our buyer's repair addendum today. We signed our repair addendum. Uh, and... It's all just ticky tack stuff. If they said we're not doing any of that, it would be totally fine. Could you fill the holes in the walls from your pictures? Because we don't like the way that they were arranged. There's not even holes in the wall from pictures. Did they use like command strips? Maybe. There's nothing. I think I think that he went through and and filled all the holes and painted them. What a gentleman. Uh, there's a couple like outside. There's a few like places that need to be caulked. You know, like caulk that's separated around windows. There's some moss on the roof. The nerve. I know. <laughs> it was like, golly, this is fantastic. You know, it was just built five years ago. So yeah. it's, it's a nice house. It was interesting. We were going to look at that house, uh, but it has a small backyard and a spiral staircase. And my wife said no to toddlers and spiral staircase. And I was like, well, you're lost. And then you said, oh, by the way, we put an offer in on the house. And I was like, oh, terrific. We get to enjoy it without having had to buy it. Yeah, that's right. You'll enjoy it. You'll enjoy it every Sunday. At, or Tuesday, or, know, or just, Tuesday just depends sometimes. on on how we're how we're doing that week. Yeah, right. You know, uh, amazingly consistent. I would say, yeah, I mean, amazingly consistent. You know, there was a few times in that first year where had like uploading things or whatever, but every Thursday, I don't. We've never missed a Thursday. Sometimes we've released on Wednesday. Sometimes we've released on Wednesday when Andrew does the publishing. Yep. Uh, and and I didn't publish on Christmas. I waited till the day after Christmas mm-hmm. to publish just because I thought. And that includes an international trip. Yeah, that's right. I still published internationally. Internationally. Yeah. D- did we publish from Mexico or did we just record from Mexico? We recorded from Mexico and I feel like we were still in Mexico. Yeah, I think we recorded and published. We were there for seven days, I think. I don't... I think the episode we recorded in Mexico, we were home when it published. When it so, published, yeah, yeah, that's a possibility. Doesn't matter. I'm, doesn't matter. We still, we are, we're, we're on quite a streak. We're awesome. 103 it's, episodes in. That's what I... <laughs> <laughs> uh, Probably uh, more than that. It, it is more than that. Yeah. So Andrew does the show notes. And, and almost always now, right? Yeah. Yeah, almost always. I mean, there was a period of time where it was like, Andrew does the show notes, haha. But now you always do the show notes, I basically. Do. It's part um, of my routine now. But there was like, uh, I don't know, what, a two-month period it was, of time. Yeah, it was weeks and weeks. And then finally you mentioned it like, you know you're off, right? I was like, I don't know. I just add one to the previous week's show note. And I've been, like, I must have just m- mistyped it. Well, they don't know what we're talking about. But they're, you know, he was about six weeks behind on the show notes. So it's a, on this 105th episode of 40 and 20, but it would actually be the 112th episode. Yeah. I thought you were doing it just to screw with me. No, not at all. I just, I must have transposed it weird and <laughs> just believed in myself. <laughs> Let's go, go with God, boo-boo. Yeah, you know. All right. It's a mistake. Uh, and I continued to make it. <laughs> wholly unaware. So we got a new watch in for review, which I'm kind of excited about. We do. We have a Monta Atlas sitting in front of us. Uh, well, we've got... Oh, that's my watch. <laughs> we've got a Monta Atlas. We uh, also have a one of a kind. Not in for review. Uh, oh, yeah, let's kind, talk about that. Uh, John Mayer, the wannabe. John Mayer and I were hanging out. Uh, and everyone said, I can do it better. Yeah. So, what, and then he did it by better. I made a G Shock 6900 looking at the John Mayer G Shock uh, that came out uh, just a few few weeks ago. 
I, you know, hey, let me just say for the record, I actually think that watch is pretty cool. I think the John Mayer G-Shark is pretty cool. I, the pr- they nailed the price. I mm-hmm. we were talking about the day before the release, and we thought it was going to be absurd. Can we say, can we say we? I said I think it's going to be two hundred dollars. I thought it was going to be significantly more, um, just because of the collaboration with John Mayer, and they they landed it. Yeah, I mean, it's more than you'd pay for a stock sixty nine hundred, but it's not a stock sixty nine hundred. Not at all. And it's not a money grab. It's actually just a com- commercial endeavor. Yeah. Because Hodinkee's a commercial entity. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I And I think it's a great watch, too. I love the gray. You, it's not like you can find a G-Shock with that gray. Mm-mm. I love the paint colors. Uh, I think it's great. But I saw it, and I thought, well, I don't want that one. I want one in watch clicker colors. Yeah. And so I found a blue. A, it's not quite watch clicker blue, but it's close enough it's, to do the trick. It's as close as you're going to get. I found a blue 6900 case. I went to Walmart and bought a 6900. I got some orange and some gray testers paint. I watched some YouTube videos. And I made myself a watch clicker 6900. Mm-hmm. And I love it. It looks good. It looks good. I don't see your your white G-Shock very often anymore. Yeah. I mean, I still wear the white one. But yeah. N- now I'm wearing the blue one. I will say 5600 is a much daintier watch than a 6900. Yeah. I, I It really surprised me when I saw how big this thing is. And and to call a 5600 dainty is something. Right. <laughs> it's a trim, It's a pretty big leap from that 69 or 5600 to the 6900. Yeah. Uh, a lot of wrist presence. Yeah. But I dig it. It's fun. That's kind of the G-Shock thing, though. That's right. That's, I think, what's most appealing about the 5600 to me is that it's it it has enough wrist presence to be there. But it's not, it's not also a, a tool that you, that you can hammer with. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's right. So we should should mention the what we do have in for review. Yeah, so we actually did get a watch in for review, and uh, I'm pretty uh, chuffed, as Rick from Scottish Watches might say. I don't know what that word means. <laughs> I think it means happy. Uh, we got Jeremy it, within the context. It left some questions. <laughs> Jeremy, uh, over at Goodspeed, sent us a copy of the Green Scout. Well, he review. sent us a Green Scout, not a not a copy. That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it, he sent us the Green Scout. Um, and my initial thoughts are: this is a really neat watch. Yeah, I'm I'm pleased with it, top to bottom. Y- you know, uh, I think when you look at a watch like this, uh, it's really easy to look at it and think, well, this or that, uh, you, you know, it's got, it, it's got a, a great bracelet, but, you know, it could be if it was this or that, it could be better, or it's got a really interesting dial, but it's pad print and not applied. Well, at the end of the day, for a $300 watch, you, you know, we just don't see a lot of $300 watches, right? Yeah. Everything's 500 bucks. Yep. Everything's 500 uh, and Jeremy's managed to do the scout for a really, truly entry-level price. Uh, and, it, and it's phenomenal. The size is great. It's a Miyota 9039, so it's a great movement. Uh, 200 meters of water resistance. Yeah. The polish, the fit finish, the brushing, dude. Check out the case the, side. The, the brushing on the, the case side. The brushing's money. That was one of the things that really stood out to me is the brushing and the, and the polish transitions are really clean. Uh, 
I don't know that you really do better at three hundred dollars, and that he that he was able to get this down to three hundred dollars is is actually a, a pretty impressive endeavor. Yeah, I think so. Uh, I think that's exactly right. With, with a signed crown and case back, and, and a signed clasp. I love yeah. the engraving on the clasp. Nothing uh, looks cheap. Uh, everything is really well executed. I'm super into it. I'm, I'm digging on five micro adjustments on the bracelet too. Yeah, ton of micro adjustments. Uh, it, it's a pin and collar bracelet, so you know it's not going to be a, a bracelet that you're going to love to adjust. But that's ten to twenty minutes of your life, and it's done forever. I think this is a. You group. hope it's done forever. <laughs> I've finally, after having had the Monta for a couple weeks now, finally have it dialed, dialed in. Yeah. Can I mess with the quick adjust? Better don't. <laughs> you, you better don't. Uh but yeah, I mean, the, you, you'll see the full review from uh, us and from Will. I think I think we're going to do an audio review of this. I Mike has mentioned that. Yeah, I don't yeah. know. It's TBD. Well, regardless, you're going to see some reviews coming from us, and just just from our first impressions, this is this is a winner. Yeah, I, I think so. I, I think so. I think it does. Uh, it does something really well. Um. In that it looks cool as shit, mm-hmm. and and it maintains an affordable price point. The size is right on it, but it also has a, a notable wrist presence. He did a really good job capturing light and making that dial very, very prominent. Good case back, yeah. So more to yeah. come on the more to come on the Goodspeed Scout. Uh, I'm not sure I'm gonna do a. I'm not sure we're gonna do a full review. Jeremy's gonna come on the show, I believe, next weekend, uh, next week. Soon, soon we're we're still uh we're, we've got like four episodes that we're supposed to cram into about three weeks. So, um, we'll see what happens there. But I believe next week. Okay, I think we should dive into the topic because we're talking about watches. Yeah, we're talking about not Rolex. We're talking about not Rolex. Yep, this is not a Rolex episode. We're not. We're, yeah, and and so let us let us explain the premise of this of this episode. What we wanted to do, and it, and it's something that uh, we've talked about before, and it's something that kind of keeps surfacing in our in our brainstorming for ideas on value of watches. And one of the things that that you see and that we see in in the watch world is this idea that more money is more better, and that Rolex is kind of the pinnacle of the watch world. And obviously you can go far, far beyond Rolex, but that's sort of the... In terms of production watches. It, yeah, in terms of production watches. And and there's this Instagram account that I follow and his opinion is that your first watch should be a Tudor Black Bay 58. That that's as low as any person <laughs> should possibly ever stoop to. Entry level. Yeah, yeah, that's your entry level watch. And if you can't afford it, then don't buy a fucking watch because anything less than that's not a watch at all. And that's patently false. Just use your, it's the same as with like, you, if, if you can't afford a Leica, use your, Leica, use your uh, cell phone. Yeah, right. So, <laughs> so what we wanted to do is we wanted to create a collection of excellent watches that you could get for the cost of an entry level Rolex. Really, looking at these two watches, the two lists, really excellent watches. Yeah. 
like, why would you bother? So, so what we did is, is we, we arbitrarily assigned $58.50. $5,850. As what it would cost to get into an entry-level Rolex, which is about what an OP costs. If you can find an entry-level Rolex. Yeah. Godspeed to you. Not good speed. Yeah, Godspeed. Good luck. Happy hunting. And we said, take that budget and, and build out a OP, an Explorer, a Sub, and a Daytona. Replace them. Rough analogs. Yeah, analogs, of course. And and, and that's the money you have. So you got $6,000, build out the Rolex Big Four. And frankly, I, I think I'd rather have this lineup that I've created or even the lineup that you've created before I have a single OP. So this, this well, is... Well, we'll talk more about well, yeah, that we'll, later. We'll, we'll, we'll talk more about that later. Because because I think it's an interesting question, right? What do you, what would you rather have? I know what I'd rather have. Fair enough. So I'm going to dive into my list first. But first up on my list, and and this is the 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 OP and the Explorer are kind of a they're they're flagships. Mm-hmm. They're similar, but they feel kind of different places. And to find an analog was was a little bit challenging for me. So what I used to replace the OP in in my collection was the Triumph, the, the Monta Triumph. Mm-hmm. And I think it fills that same void. It does things better than the OP does. But it's just, it's a little bit different. But that's what I use to fill that that gap. And, and the Monta Triumph is going to come in at $1,700. And for the record... Roughly a quarter of the price of an OP if you could find an OP. Yeah. And that's about what Rolex MSRP was coming into the game before inflation. That's where Rolex should be priced at in the seventeen to twenty five hundred dollar price. Right, range. if you if you adjust from like the sixties. Yeah, yeah. With without and, and there's brand equity there. There's a lot of things happening there, but in the way of objective manufacturing, pricing, and production, it's about there. And seventeen hundred dollars is a bucket load of money, but you got the Monta Triumph. It's got water resistance, one hundred fifty meters. They come with. A standard, a, a across the family, they don't come with it, but they're optional. Curved rubber, curved leather straps. They look great, and they fill that go anywhere, do anything, can be dressed up, can be worn sporty, mm-hmm. can fit a whole variety of environments. The the definition of a 300 steel sport watch. Yep. yep. Next up, I've got the Zen 103 chronograph, filling the Daytona void and it's not a, it's not a direct an exact but it's close you're, you're still getting that sporty chronograph feel dive bezel dive bezel but this is the most expensive watch on my list at 2280 i don't know i can't read my writing it's either 2250 or 2280 <laughs> it doesn't matter i came in under budget just i mean not by a ton but i came in under budget and it's readily available you're going to run into some customs probably here what i i, I found mine off a u.s based sales site so i don't know if you're going to run a customs and weird shipping costs or maybe it's built into the price but it's there and it's readily available because that was the other thing yeah we had to replace our list with things that are readily available that you can buy today yeah you know i found zins are hard to find they can be the the availability of zin is not uh is not like seiko uh right no not by a long shot yeah or even other swiss brands that's right they're they're i think they're making watches in slightly smaller quantities even the new watches, the the U fifty, uh, hard to find. Which speaks, I think, to the to the watch itself. There, 
I, I, I hope to not fall in love with any of them. I like them. I hope, I just hope I don't fall in love. Yeah. And, and I think that's a great watch, right? Zinn's got a mm-hmm. ton of brand cachet. Uh, it's just, it's just a solid, no crap dive bezel chronograph. Mm-hmm. I Next. say dive bezel, but I take the point. E- external bezel. Yeah. yeah. Next up, this is my sub replacement. Christopher Ward C60 Trident Pro 600. Fantastic. And looking at those two things side by side, I I tend to like Christopher Ward's designs more than sub designs. Yeah, sure. And 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 if if you offer me the two side by side and and if they're both at 965, I'm going to tend towards Christopher Ward even with a Rolex logo. Just in terms of off. the design. Yep, in terms yeah. of design. Yeah, you you know that light that light catcher case. Mm-hmm. It's uh, so money. I think it's the best I think it's the best modern case in watches. I, I mean, it's truly a modern case. Yeah. Truly a modern case. The C65s, I think, are a little thinner than the C60s. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, a, it's a little bit chunk. But even the C60s look incredibly thin because that watch comes, the, the case sides have that nice thin taper. Mm-hmm. Um, you, you know, at one point, I, th- I wrote an article for the website, I think, on... Uh, rethinking case sizes and i talked about the tudor black bay the the og black bay mm-hmm. um and how it's roughly the same thickness as a c60 mm-hmm. um you, you know the c60 looks a lot more slender uh than the black bay because the black bay has those big flat sides christopher ward has done some uh sorcery some sorcery some mm-hmm. some optical illusion implementation that it is really fantastic, and and those those watches are designed fantastically. Yeah, and they they all look good. That entire I I don't think I've seen one of his watches that I don't like. Yeah, great fonts, mm-hmm. great terrific details. design, terrific details, good movements, a- and the specs are there. He doesn't have a single watch that you go, oh, weird that he didn't do that. Old Chris. Yeah, and then last up. The Seiko SBDC087 Alpinist. And that's going to fill my Explorer slot. That's the new black dial yep, Alpinist, right? The new black dial, European only. Yeah, that's the best of the new ones, I think. Yeah. It's it's fantastic. In fact, that watch was on my list for a little while today. Yeah. And this was this was a, a culmination of a lot of iterations for to fill this list out. And that's your Explorer, obviously. Yeah, that's my Explorer. And, and another true go anywhere, do anything. The Alpinist is a super classic design. It, it I don't know what else there is to say about it that hasn't already been said. Um, yeah, just I, to fill out this list. That's right. I think it's just a great. It's a great pick. It's an affordable watch, uh, but almost almost like nothing else. I don't know that, that it's an affordable buy. watch. It's eight hundred and fifty dollars. Well, I say affordable in the scheme of spending six thousand dollars on a single. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so that brings my list, and and let's recap it real quick. Yeah, please, because we should talk about it as a collection. A Monta Triumph, a Zen One Hundred and Three, a Christopher Ward C Sixty Pro Six Hundred, and a Seiko Alpinist. I think they're limited, so we'll call it just a, a Seiko Alpinist limited edition. Okay, it doesn't matter. <laughs> I don't think it's, they're they're, they're eight hundred fifty yeah. bucks. Yeah. Triumph One Hundred and Three, C Sixty. And an Alpinist for five thousand seven hundred eighty-eight dollars and ninety-seven cents. Yeah, that's a bucket load of cash, but that's a fucking baller collection. Yeah, there's no, you need nothing else. 
that that's a go everywhere collection of watches with some really expensive stuff. I really I you have six thousand dollars. <laughs> no, I think you did really well. I think that you've got a great mix of big brand. Um, you, you know, you've got uh, a micro brand piece, piece there. Mm-hmm. You've got the Japanese watch. Uh, and, and for a Japanese, I mean, it's one of my favorite Seikos. The Alpinist, the whole yeah. Alpinist line, I think is probably, in my mind, the coolest thing Seiko's doing. I know, you know, everybody loves Seiko Diver, Seiko Diver, Seiko Diver. Mm. I think the Alpinist is the coolest thing Seiko's doing. I agree. And I, I think you can do better than Seiko Divers. I think you can do cooler than Seiko Divers. A lot of them are just kind of ho-hum. I want them to, I want some some innovation out of Seiko Divers. Sure. Rather than just just slapping on a new label or changing the case or the color colorway or I, I I want some more innovation. I want to see something new out of Seiko Divers. You know, I can't remember who it was. I was listening to a podcast this week and Eric Wind was on it. And I think it was Eric Wind. Uh shoot. He was talking about getting a monster, a Gen 2 monster mm-hmm. for two hundred bucks. What? Well, back when they came out. Oh, it's like what? Right. So a Gen Two Monster Six R for two hundred bucks, and you know that's a freaking cool watch. Yeah. If you can get a Six R Monster for two hundred bucks, the problem with Seiko Divers is the the secrets out, and they've done sort of a similar thing that Rolex has done, obviously on a different scale. But yeah, this is really cool, and now it's going to cost what it's worth. Yeah. 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 Well. And that makes it less desirable, right? We can paying, make it. We can make it what it's worth. That's right. It, paying, getting a bargain, is fun. Seiko's not poorly priced now; they're just no longer a bargain, right? Eight hundred bucks is not too much for an Alpinist. That's no. the right price for that watch. It might even be on the low end. It's just not the bargain that it was at two hundred fifty, three hundred. It's not the bargain you expect out of a Japanese brand. Yeah, or out of Seiko in particular, right? Yeah. yeah. But I think you've done a great job with this collection. That's what I would replace an OP with. Just one, just one Rolex with. That's one what I would OP, replace with. Yeah. You get those watches. Yeah, I think it's great. I th- I think you did a good job. What have you? What have you got? So I I had sort of uh, a really general approach to my list here. Um, I wanted to have I wanted to have some versatility, but also. I know I don't need that much versatility. I know everything can be sporty. I know everything should be, you know, modestly sized. Mm -hmm. I know that everything can have a black dial. Yeah. I'm good with that. I, you know, every time I decide I don't need a black dial, I think, gosh, I would love this watch if it was just a black dialed watch. Um, So everything can have a black dial. Uh, I wanted to have some brand cachet. I knew that. Mm-hmm. I'm tr- I'm replacing a Rolex here. Right. Uh, so I want to have some brand cachet. You need some chops. That's right. Uh, I want a watch that I'm going to put on and I'm going to feel like this is a cool watch because it's because it's cool and anybody who looked at it would be able to realize it's cool. That's shallow, perhaps, but I think we all do that. Uh, and I think if you if you're in denial about the fact that you do that, um, well, anyway, you took the other Raspberry Cosmo. Did I? <laughs> Uh, so, uh, oh, I did. I decided that I it? didn't necessarily. Uh, I decided I didn't necessarily need a anchor piece, but I I also knew I could get away with one piece, my OP replacement, 
that would be significantly less money. Okay. And so I got that one out of the way quick. And I picked this watch. This was the first one I picked. And it was basically set in stone from the second I picked it because I've worn this watch. I own this watch. And I know that it's almost perfect. It's really damn close. And that's the Orion Hellcat. So this mm-hmm. is the cheapest watch on my list, 650 bucks, Which is a steal for this watch. It's a steal. Nick is... Uh, Nick is a very, very talented watch designer. Yeah. And this is every bit the affordable, amazing watch that I think he wanted it to be. So on a bracelet, Orion Hellcat. I've got a black dial with a brushed case. Uh, and so in my mind, that's the watch that goes here. And I know mm-hmm. that if you ask Nick if you can get a black dial on a brushed case... I know that he will, at least if he can, do it. And that's, you know, parts limiting or whatever. I'm, I'm not sure what his deal is. It's but a I special know... insider deal. Everett owes him something <laughs> next time we get out there. I know he's not doing that just for me. So um, I, I think my collection as a whole doesn't work as well with a blasted case. Correct. So this is a brushed case, polished bezel, bright, glinty chamfers. This is my OP replacement. Great movement, Miyota 9015. Uh, love it. It's 39, so it's a little bit big for an OP replacement. I mean, at least a traditional OP replacement, but about the same size as a modern as a modern OP. Yeah. So next, I wanted an Explorer style field watch, mm-hmm. and I went with for me the epitome of a tough, hard wearing, no frills uh, field watch. Although it's really a pilot watch, but in my mind. It's a field watch, and that's the Sin Zin 556A, A mm-hmm. indicating Arabic numerals. Mm-hmm. Um, so this is a watch that's got my brand cachet. Yeah. Zin's a great brand. Um, it speaks to it that it landed on both of our lists. Yes, that's right. Because, uh, they're because right, they're in that $1,000 to $2,000 mm-hmm. price range, three or so, when you start talking about chronographs. Uh, great movements great materials now zin's known for its really sort of uh next level tech implementations in particular their tegmenting mm-hmm. this doesn't have any of that and i don't think i don't think the 104 does either no no it doesn't these are just standard steel but they just look and wear great i know a lot of folks like the um damasco mm-hmm. uh ds6 da6 uh, da6 i think uh, it's a little bit bigger yeah. watch. It's 40 versus about 38. And I think it shows. They both wear really well. I prefer the Zen. I know a lot of folks prefer the Damasco. It is, which is hardened. I think the Damasco in a lot of ways is a better watch. I think the Zen's a cooler watch. That's it. Yeah. I think it's cooler. Zen yeah. 5.6. And we, we've had that conversation a bunch of times. I was talking to Aggressive Timing Habits about this, my list earlier. And it's like, you can't have a Hellcat and a Damasco or a, or a Zen 5.56 on your list. They're They're the same. Uh, and and while I see his criticism, uh, having worn both of these watches, I would say they do not feel the same. To me, they do not feel the same at all. They are substantially different in the way they wear, um, how they feel, how they look. So I'm good with it. Now, my Zin's on a strap mm. because I was $300 over on a bracelet. So I mm. put this on a strap. In reality, I'm getting the bracelet. That bracelet's killer. Yeah, and if you're willing to drop six grand, what's 300 bucks? So next, my diver. Okay. Do it. My diver. I didn't know you could get these for this little money. I thought these were significantly more expensive. But the Doxa 300T. Mm. 
I've gone with the shark drive, shark dive, shark hunter. What is happening to you? <laughs> the shark hunter iteration. That's the black dial. Yeah. Um, professional being the orange dial. Uh, I prefer the black dial. I think it looks great with, especially with that orange printing on the bezel. It's got the double bezel. Yeah, track. but if you're gonna get a Doxa, you sort of have a weird obligation to go orange. Nope. I don't understand why. Nope. Because the orange is ugly. Yeah. But that's the. Well, it is really, I think, it's the classic, right? It's quote-unquote professional. It's the one Dirk Pitt wears. Go black dial, y'all. It looks better. Yeah, it's a black dial. And you still get the orange, right? You get the orange printing. I mean, get the one you want, for the love of God. Get a blue one. Uh, (laughs) For me, it's the Shark Hunter black dial. Um, You you know, 1890 for the 300T. Now, the 300 is about $600 more, and that's a little bit more refined watch. The 300T is their big, beefy, no shit, 1,200 meters of water resistance, helium escape valve, herkin, jerkin. Yeah. Like, it'll it'll drag you to that 1,200-meter mark. Right. (laughs) So, 42, you know, but it's pretty compact. 42 uh, across... 44 and a half long, 14 thick. It, it's That's got a, it's square. It, it is. <laughs> and it's got a flat crystal, so it doesn't wear super high either. It, what you need, because yeah. the, the size of that case to get 1,200 meters of water resistance, if you get in a dome, it, it's going to be that globe watch that Mike reviewed. That's right. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> uh, so, and, and I love them. I just think that's one of the coolest watches. I don't know. You know, people talk about docks in these weird ways. Uh, I look at that watch and I think, yep, this is a super cool watch. It gets kind of like a mystical, uh, like reverence. Yeah, cult following. Yeah, it's it's interesting. That's right. Uh, but I dig it. And I would love to wear one of those. I'd love to own one of those. Uh, so that's number three. So now I've got Diver. I've got OP. I've got Explorer. I've got mm-hmm. two OPs, two Explorers. Uh, the next watch. So this... So Yeah, you got to go Daytona now. What are you going to do? I, I haven't seen this one. You haven't looked at it? I didn't look. So these these watches, I'd call these basic bitch watches. Oh. oh. Am I allowed to say say that word on here? I think so. Okay. This is our show. Uh, I'd call these basic bitch watches. I don't feel bad about that. Are they all Ryan's? Maybe not. Anyway, these are, these are kind of basic. This next watch is not basic. So... Cabot Watch Company makes watches for the military. And in the 80s and 90s, they made a Royal Navy mechanical chronograph that they issued to pilots. It's called the CWC RN Fleet Mechanical Chronograph. (laughs) What? (laughs) Uh, I don't have a picture of it on this piece of paper, so you're going to have to Google it. Cabot sells these, so they no longer make them, but they have a bunch of new old stock. They sell them for $1,500. Uh, oh, shit. 1,500 pounds, Great British pounds. Um, prices converted to 2045, 2045. Uh, these are new old stocks, so I assume there's limited availability. It's a Valjoux 7765, which is a gelded, a neutered mm-hmm. 7750. So no no rotor. The size is good. Size is great. Size is great. So 40 millimeters by 46. Uh, 19 millimeter lugs, but the strap they sell it with is a 20 millimeter strap, and it looks fine. Uh, this was built to an MOD spec, the Defense Standard 66.4. I don't know what that is, but it, it is. It's something. It is a military watch. It's an asymmetric case with great crown guards. Asymmetric case. Uh, yeah, fantastic. And it's super military, right? Oh, it's inter- other interesting thing. Two sub-registers. Nine and twelve. 
which I think is very, very interesting. I love Odd. this watch. I want to buy one of these. It's 2000 bucks, and I probably won't. But I want to buy one. So in my... This is not a Daytona. No, not by a long shot. <laughs> it's a chronograph. It's a field chronograph. It's a pilot's chronograph. Yeah. It's a... It's blasted case. Yeah, you know what I mean. Anyway, this oh, is I my... Thought you were, I thought you were disagreeing with it being a pilot's chronograph. I was ever, the name is Royal Navy... No, no, it's it's certainly Air. a pilot's chronograph. Okay. It, it is. This is my kind of watch. A Daytona, mm-hmm. not really my kind of watch. A Zen 104, not my kind of watch. This is my kind of watch. It's perfect. As I, per usual, you cheated. <laughs> well, I will say, at the end of the day, I came up to $5,855. <laughs> cheated twice. <laughs> Why did I cheat on? How do you figure out? Oh, 5890. Uh I because it's, it's not a Daytona analog. Well, it's not I, even close. It fits the. It's collection. close in that it's a chronograph. Exactly. So you admit it. Fix spring bars on that, guys. Uh, acrylic crystal. I love it. I think it's. Fantastic. It's a dope watch. It's not a Daytona analog. <laughs> <laughs> it's still the coolest watch that we've talked about today. So I, I guess that's the thing. If you're doing this exercise, do you need to have? I mean, do I need to have? a chronograph with an external bezel. I don't know. And that's that's the question that we're addressing today. We, that's right. We created these fun lists that are totally out of our wheelhouse that are so far beyond reach watches that, that they're not even in the realm of discussion, you know, barring the Hellcat. Yeah, well, right? I mean, I think I could get, uh, theoretically, someday... I might buy either the Doxa or the CWC, but it, it's it, there's no it, there's no impulse buying those things. No, there's absolutely no. That's impulse a year's worth of savings for me. Yeah, but the, that, dedicated watch savings that brings the discussion of diminishing return, and that's really what we kind of wanted to hit on today. And that's that's why I talked about the the Tudor Black Bay being the entry level watch. Anything below it isn't even a watch. Where is that like what what are we getting out of the Rolex purchase out of the any I'm surprised n- neither of us had any omegas on the list well omegas are hard to find you can't find a new omega for under 5 grand yeah that's fair it doesn't exist that's fair you know uh, what you know what the omega under 5 grand is hmm. the mona triumph yeah <laughs> <laughs> oh, or the 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 Seamaster. You can't get a Seamaster. No, the Omega, the or the the Monta Seamaster. Seaman Monta doesn't make a Seamaster. Sky, what's the, what's the their, SkyQuest? There's what's their Atlas, diver? There's Triumph, and there's there's the Noble. <laughs> you no. can't think of the diver. It's not a Seamaster, but you, yeah, that's right. You, you Ocean King, Ocean King, Seamaster. It's the same. It's the same. <laughs> <laughs> it is the same (laughs) i think ocean king might even be a better name you know you get to a point where you have to decide what do you want yeah and you get to make those decisions right i don't want a daytona style dive watch or a daytona style chronograph i don't want a daytona style dive watch either i want a zen 356 or a new old stock cabot Royal Navy fleet chronograph, right? But, but here, here I, I have I have side by side the Good Speed Scout mm-hmm. and a Monta Atlas. Very different watches. Very different watches. Objectively speaking, 
So we have a $300 watch and a $2,000 watch. Objectively speaking, the finishing on the Manta is better. Oh my gosh. It's just, it's, it is. Yes. But is it $1,700 better? In the way of production and sales, yes. In the way of my, uh, of, of a person's enjoyment of it? I, I don't know. Like to yeah. people like us, we're gonna we can see the difference. Yeah, I and, and let's be clear here. We're not talking about pork. We're not talking about fat. We're we're not talking about inf- like a, a, an overly inflated MSRP. No, not by a long shot. We're talking about what you value mm-hmm. in your watch wearing, right? And and where where does it no longer where does it become intrinsic to you value? Mm-hmm. And fuck you, this is what I like, against dollar value, right? And I, I think, and we were talking about this earlier this week, and I, and I think there's there's three thresholds where where you get, there, there's dim, diminishing return thresholds. And I think they're at 500, 1,000, and 1,500 for a complication watch. Because the difference between a three hundred dollar watch and an eight hundred dollar watch is barely noticeable. The difference between a three hundred dollar watch and a thousand dollar watch is is apparent to people like us who spend an absurd amount of time with watches. Totally absurd. And and have an unreasonable amount of hands on experience with watches. We've we've handled each independently more watches in the last two years than most people will ever see in their lives. And, and we're on the low side of Way people who are side. doing what we're doing. Yeah. But there's there, there comes a point where it's, where that, I take issue with the, if it's not a, it, Tudor is your entry-level watch. I, I take issue with that in a, in a very, very real way. Because this Scout is objectively great. Yeah. Objectively great and, and actually just cool. Yeah. This is a cool watch. Yeah. And, and and part of that cool is that it's coming in at a price point that's not gonna shock your wife. No, she right? won't leave you. Even if you say, Hey honey, I'm deciding to buy my first watch ever. I'm 40 years old and I'd like to buy a watch and I found this one. Right? That's a lot di- that's a much different quote. That's a much different conversation than you or I have with our wives, right? Yeah. If we say, hey, I want to buy a watch. It's $900. She says, well, you better save a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, a, a first watch purchaser says, I'm going to buy a watch and it's 900 bucks. <laughs> yeah. There's going to be therapy, right? <laughs> At, like best case scenario. I, to put it in respect, tonight I, uh, I heard on the news that NASA was releasing a bunch of forever stamps. And that was the moment I decided to break to my wife that in the next two years, I want to buy moon watches. So I want to get a lunar pilot. And I want to get a Speedmaster. A reduced. I, yeah. yeah. And I don't even like the Speedmaster that much. But I like space that much that it's I want to buy something to connect me to that. You know what you should look at? You should look at the Cosmonaut. You should look at the uh, Fortis Cosmonaut. Oh, I'm gonna for sure in the next couple years get a uh, get one of the um, uh, Strella Cosmos. Oh, those are really neat. Yeah, 
And, but I think that's right. I think that you're sort of cluing in on something. A lot of people. So our friend Evan Casper, who who writes for the website, and he's just been a good friend uh, of, of of me personally for for a long time. He's got a fantastic collection of vintage watches. But he's of the opinion that the cosmonaut, the or maybe it's not the cosmonaut. It's one of the Fortis chronographs. Um, that it's uh, objectively better watch than the than the Speedmaster, and and I have not taken the time to really think about that because for me it doesn't matter. For me, the Speedmaster is just fucking cool in a way that the Cosmonaut or the Fortis is not going to be cool. Mm-hmm. And, and for that's just for me, right? That's yeah. not objective at all. That's totally personal. So we're doing this exercise. Kind of poking fun at Rolex, right? A little bit. A little bit. To say for the price of a single OP, you can get these watches. But at the that end of the day... fucking dope grail style watches. At the end of the day, if what you want is the Rolex, then you should not buy these watches. No, because there's nothing more valuable than that. We, as the consumer, are responsible for the value. And that that's what I think it comes down to. I don't think I can tell you what your watch value is except for your speedmaster and I will offer you all the money and receipts that are in my wallet <laughs> mostly receipts i think there's a dollar in there <laughs> but the receipts have a lot of dollars on them yeah that's so, true <laughs> you know there's that i have a lot of lowe's receipts i keep them for some reason yeah, it's like it stands a, over here it's like a reminder of how much i uh, doesn't matter um <laughs> the, the value of the watch is created by us as consumers yeah. Because to me, an OP has absolutely no value. I could not be less interested in that watch. If you were to walk up to me and say, hey, I have this, and and I couldn't resell it because that we have to bar that. Like, you can buy this for $300, but you have to keep it forever. Like, mm. <laughs> but like Omer at... Uh, one of the guys at Half Watch Tuesday, mm-hmm. Omer just bought a green OP, mm-hmm. and I think he's in love. He should be. I think he's in love. I think he sold a bunch of watches, consolidated his collection, and found a watch that he's just enamored by, and I think that's awesome, and I think it's worth it, mm-hmm. right? So we're not saying the OP is not worth it. We're saying there's opportunities here. And and in within this conversation, I just bought an Atlas. I spent all of last year... I, b- I bought a watch last year. I bought a Sarb. So I had a windfall, and I wanted a Sarb. And I knew that they were about to skyrocket in price, so if I was going to buy one, it had to be then. So I bought a Sarb last year. That was the only watch purchase I made last year because everything else was being diverted because I needed a fucking Atlas. There's other GMTs out there. The Hyperion's a really good example. There's another company. I forget who makes it. Um... They use the same movement, and they got theirs under $700. I think they're like $659. And similarly sized, I wish I could remember the brand. Um, I love the Hyperion. I really like Baltic's comparison. Mm -hmm. It wasn't the GMT function. I wanted a GMT, but I wanted the Atlas. Yeah. Yeah, It's not about specs. It's about the watch that you fell in love with. Yeah. And the specs are great. And objectively... This is the absolute best bracelet I've ever worn or handled. It yeah. is it is it's fantastic. It, yeah. It's a perfect bracelet. Everything else, the specs can be matched and out outperformed in other segments. But this is the one. And you saved for it. I would have paid more than two thousand dollars for this watch. 
it wasn't the price tag. It was what it meant to me. I created the value. Yeah. It's not that it's Swiss. It's not the logo at 12 o'clock. It's this is this is the one. You fell in love with the watch and you bought the watch yep. and, and you're going to love it forever. Yep. I, I think it's amazing. You know, there's something to be said for... Um, there's something to be said for slow collecting. I think we both are slow collectors. I think there's a lot of folks that we talk to regularly that are really fast. They just want to touch everything. And they're flippers, too. There's a lot of those yeah. people out there, and and neither of us really are. Pete, chill, chilling with watches, Pete, uh, he just loves to touch everything. A new watch comes out, he buys it, he Can't touches it. Can't wait to go it, to his house. And, and, and he gets rid of it, right? Yeah. Um, it, it, and that's how he enjoys the hobby, and I think that's okay. I, I don't think that... But I know that's not for me. That's not the way I want to... I think so long about these purchases, mm-hmm. and then I buy a watch, and I have a hard time getting rid of them, but... It's because I knew when I bought it that I really wanted this watch. Now there have been some fails. Uh, there's yeah, there's been some letdowns. Some letdowns. Uh, but by and large, I buy a watch because I know I want that watch. And then when it comes time to try to sell something, I'm like, I don't want to sell anything because I love all my watches. Yeah, because they all hold a place. They all represent something. They represent a hunt, a chase, a pursuit, a uh, uh, a love. Yeah, that that brought that watch to you. And that's where the value comes in. And and as we're in this conversation of diminishing return, what it it, it kind of has become a, an existential conversation of what matters to you. That's right. That's right. Because it, the dollar amount should matter, but it, that can't be the determining factor. At least it shouldn't be. Yeah. If if you want that twenty five thousand dollar Patek then, well, you're going to spend some time saving. Right. <laughs> or or not. Or maybe you have the ability to buy that. But if that's and, the watch you want. And if want, you do, there's some things that he and Everett would like to talk to you about. Please message us. <laughs> um, but yeah, that's, that's what it comes down to is we create the value. It's not what... And what I want to encourage people who are listening, who are perhaps new to the hobby, who are just finding us, and are in this world of... of affordable and unaffordable and unobtainium watches, you create the value. Don't let the world of this industry and this segment of consumer goods tell you what you should like. Yeah, that's right. And and figure out what you like too, right? That's the other thing. Figure out what you like. It took me a long time to figure out what I liked. We it, both have a ton of watches that have no value in resale that we've purchased and don't like or are just like medium about. Yeah. Yeah. You know, my favorite watches, uh, two watches that I bought used took me a long time. Well, one of them was kind of used. Took me a long time to find them. That Pulsar, mm-hmm. that Pulsar G10 watch, that tiny little dinky quartz Pulsar G10, and that titanium JDM g-shock that's so fucking ugly and you love it everybody hates it nobody likes that watch but me and that's okay and for some reason it was still hard to find it was super hard to find well it's because japanese people have little wrists uh <laughs> which <laughs> there's plenty of them available but they all have like six and a quarter inch one link that's right debbie uh if you want a titanium g-shock the world is your oyster yeah uh but yeah i was able to get that watch and it was i think 500 bucks which is a lot of money for that watch. But it was new old stock. I mean, like a third of that price was shipping. That, 
<laughs> it was new old stock. It had its tags on it. It's my watch, and I fucking love it. I, I love it. It's maybe my favorite watch out of all my watches. It's maybe my favorite watch. So that's that's the kind of watch you want. Yeah. You, it doesn't have to be a, a weird titanium G-Shock. But it could be. But it could be. It's the watch that you find and you're like, that's the one, man. That is cool. I love putting it on. I love wearing it. Nobody's ever asked me about it. Nobody's ever noticed it. It doesn't matter because I put it on my wrist and I'm like, this is a cool watch. And, and I know you think it's ugly and you still know that it's cool. You look at it and you're yeah. like, yeah, that's cool. It's ugly. I wouldn't wear it. But that's actually pretty cool. No. And and, and that's, that's the first thing I said. I was like, dude, this thing is ugly as sin. I'm so glad you have it. <laughs> right? You got to figure out, you got to find your titanium JDM G-Shock from 1996, right? Or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. That's, that's... Because it could be the Orion Hellcat. It could be yeah. something from the Sector Series. It could be a Citizen... I mean, it could be a Nighthawk. It could be an Alpinist. It could be any of these things. And don't let the the watch industry tell you it has to be a big pilot. Don't let them tell you it has to be a Speedy or a Pelagos. You got to make that decision for yourself. Pelagos. No, it's Pelagos. <laughs> Andrew, did you come with another thing tonight? I, I did, but importantly, I need to remind everyone, Mike and Will are going to have their write-ups on the website of their OP list replacements. Yeah, so, so when when you're done listening to here, go to the when you're done listening to here. Yeah. Whatever. Go to the website, look at Mike Mike and Will's selection. They they did the same thing we did. Yeah. Or at least I assume they did. They wrote about it. Well, they're supposed to. It yes. hasn't happened yet. We're speaking in the future. <laughs> Mike and Will, you damn well better made your list. <laughs> See what those guys, both of those guys have more experience touching watches than we do. Um, I think they just have a bit wider breadth of knowledge. Mike works at a watch shop uh, part-time, and Will has... I think he just goes in. I think the guy just accepts that this weirdo strolls in and walks in the back and doesn't take things, and he's cool with it. (laughs) Uh, and, And then Will, obviously, has owned a lot of very, very neat watches, and he touches... So many watches. So many watches, yeah. He touches so many watches, he's sad about it sometimes. <laughs> well, gosh, that guy, I can't, it was like a week, two ago. Uh, well, he was on the show. We talked yeah. about it, yeah. It's like so, I've got 12 reviews in queue. Brutal. Like, well, we're just going to keep bullshitting, drinking beer. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Dad. <laughs> this is a free project that we're doing. Congratulations, Will. You've got 40 hours of work ahead of you. Godspeed. So... I do have another thing. I made a purchase today, and it, and it's a purchase that I can't, can't believe I hadn't made until today, and I have no excuse for it. I went to Costco, and I bought Blink cameras. You can go to the Costco and get a five-pack of Blink cameras, four outdoor and one indoor, for 300 bucks. Do you put the indoor one in the shower? Where else would you put it? That's what I thought. Just making sure. Yeah. Mounts to the ceiling, sits down. Gets a little foggy, but it's whatever. Uh, that's a bucket load of cameras. Uh, so I I got them home. I set them up. I realized I didn't remember my Wi-Fi password because in the last two years, my iPhone has had my Wi-Fi password. It just knows. And every time you try to log in a new device, it just buzzes your phone and says, this device is trying to log in. And you're like, cool, let it log in. So I had to remember my Wi-Fi password to log my camera system into my Wi-Fi. 
but I got it in. It's an old password. It's a two-year-old password, so I had to go like deep into the treasure chest of like, what was I <laughs> using then? Uh, um, but I found it. These are terrific. They are wireless. They're battery powered. They have a two-year battery life, is what they're what they're suggesting. I, I imagine probably like fifteen months is going to be what I'm about what I'm going to get. They mount super easy. The setup is super easy. You you they've got like a little dot, like an Echo Dot sized pad that plugs in, and that's the power source, the little Wi-Fi signal for all your cameras. You sync it up. You take a picture of the QR code on all your cameras. They sync immediately to your little dot. They've got a really easy mounting system. Two screws right into the siding of your house. Pop the camera on the mount. And then they're they're ready to go. You can adjust your sensitivity. You can adjust the frame. So all of mine capture some of the road. And you can black that out in the way you set up your camera. So that you don't... You're not picking Every up. time a car drives by, yeah. you're not getting your recording. Um, they're passive recording. So I could turn it on and say capture. Uh, you can I so when I left the house, I armed my system and all my cameras started sending me alerts every time something hit my hit my front yard or my backyard. Two K IR nighttime usage. Talk through all of them. It was I felt like I was joining present day <laughs> when I got on my phone. I was like looking at of live feed of me as I was adjusting the camera to where I wanted it to be. And for 300 bucks, I have no excuse for why I haven't done this already. Yeah. Cause I scold people all the time for not having security cameras at their house right. all the time. I'm like, well, just so you know, I don't have them either. So plumbers got the leakiest pipes in town. Yeah, no. So don't feel bad. Uh, but if, if you're in the market, it, it's a free, you've got free storage. Uh, unlike, uh, ring where you have to pay your your monthly membership and people pay it annually and it's next to nothing if, if you already have a ring you're not being cheated there's tons of platforms out there but i i gotta say i'm digging the the blink cameras go to the costco check it out because it's also a good deal and it's kind of fun to walk like to go walk up to a display that shows a bunch of security cameras because they obviously don't have the security cameras out in five packs at costco so you just pick up this cardboard like cut out like a, I don't know, like a six by ten sheet of cardboard, right? And you throw it in your cart, and you walk up and you hand them the sheet of cardboard, and they return to you with a box of cameras. Um, I didn't understand it at first. I was like, "Are you out of stock?" <laughs> and I just stood there. There's a shitload of them. There's like fifty of these cardboard sheets in their display, and I just held it in my hand, and I'm like looking around for a Costco employee. <laughs> and finally, one walked by, and I was like, "Is this what I used to buy this? Like, do I just..." That's the cameras. They're cut out. You just like do I? How do scissors. I get? How do I get the cameras? <laughs> it's like, well, you take it to the register, and they scan it, and they bring you the cameras. It's like, hmm, it's a brave new world, man. Okay, and I like dropped this sheet of cardboard in my this four hundred or three hundred dollar sheet of cardboard in my cart when checked out. But got them all set up. Super easy. It was about an hour to get them all set up and installed. But it's terrific. You can talk through all of them. I went outside to test it and my wife started getting all the text alerts and she started talking to me through the cameras like, it's working! It's working! The cameras work! And I was like, obviously they work. <laughs> so, that's my other I thing. I want to go to your house and say stuff into your camera. Feel free. I'm going to. Yeah. <laughs> Feel free. I'm going to, I'm going to do that next time I'm in the neighborhood. Yeah. 
Cool. Yeah. So that's my other thing. You got another thing? I've got another thing. Uh, this is a late. I, I had another thing, and then I swapped it out for this. Oh, you would. I Do swapped me. it out for this, and and I was talking to Will, our friend, the watch clicker, earlier today. Daddy. He's. Was it when they Mike accidentally FaceTimed us? Uh, it was right around the same time. Okay. Yeah, right around the same time. Um, Will is just started The Sopranos. Oh yeah. And he's watched it before, but this is his second time through. He said it's been a long time, uh, it, which I think is a great decision. If you haven't watched The Sopranos in, you know, the last decade, I think it's worth a watch. Even the last five years. That's uh, like a, that's a every five years full series watch. It's so good. So, so good. Anyway, that's not the, that's not my other thing. Uh, but he says, watching Just Started The Sopranos and Christopher has a 1999 lexus ls 400 and they're making a big deal of it because i am an ls 400 driver and i'm a big uh semi-ironic fan of the ls 400 i just love that vehicle i love mine I, every time someone's talking about buying a car i say have you considered an ls 400 anyway it's it's a gag at this point uh but he, you know and i said well have you watched and we started talking about the ls 400 a little bit and i said well have you watched donut media's everything you need to know about the LS 400. And he's like, I don't watch Lexus enthusiast YouTube. Who does? Uh, which is fair. Uh, and it made me realize he didn't know Donut Media because I think a lot of people who are not car people don't know Donut Media. Donut Media is a YouTube site mm -hmm. and website. Um, and they just talk about all things cars. They are idiots. Which tracks. In the best possible way. Yeah. In the best possible way. The main host guy has sort of a Maddie Madison thing going on. He's over the top and silly. Uh, not quite Maddie Madison mm -hmm. uh, level, but ridiculous cadence. But they've got a series called Everything You Need to Know About Blank. Uh, one of theirs is Everything You Need to Know About the LS400. And that is going to be my other thing for the week. Not because you care about the LS400, but because it's an introduction to Donut Media's everything you need to know about. If you like cars at all. If you drive a car, they're if, worth watching. If you drive a car. Yeah. So uh, it's sort of like one of my favorite podcasts, Stuff You Should Know. It's sort of like that in that they take these really sort of benign topics and tell you everything about them in a way that's compelling and interesting and in this case, funny and stupid and absolutely entertaining. So that's my other thing for the week. Donut Media, everything you need to know about the LS400, and then the Donut Media rabbit hole that that takes you down. Or just pick everything you need to know about the car you currently drive. Because they probably have it. Or anything. Yeah, that's right. Any car you're interested in. Just Donut Media, everything you need to know about, and watch the one that's the most interesting. But you should watch the LS400 one because it's the greatest car ever made. You'll learn a little something about Everett you wish you didn't know. Because <laughs> it's, the, it's the greatest car ever made. That's a true story. Disagree. <laughs> Andrew, thanks for making a list for this week. PT Cruiser. Why would I not make a list? I, I, think, that, a list. I think that there's an everything you need to know about PT Cruiser. I think that there is. I'm sure there is because it's an embarrassing car. <laughs> Why would I not make a list? I don't know. I just thought... You said that like I don't make lists. I know. You just phoned it in most of the time. You Usually, didn't yeah. 
I didn't. I took a you nap really carry, I You really carried your weight today. Unusual. Very. I appreciate you for it. You should. Anything you want to add before we wrap up for the day? <sighs> no, I'm out of things. I'm out of things, too. All right. So thank you for joining us for this episode of, of 40 and 20. Out of all of them. <laughs> Check us out on the website. Watchclicker.com. That's where we put reviews, articles. Basically, that's it. Weekly roundups. Weekly rounds roundups. Up. Rounds up. Rounds, rounds up. Oh. Uh, Drinking game. And, of course, every episode of the podcast. You can check us out on Instagram, at 40 and 20, or at Watch Clicker. Most importantly, really, really, really most importantly, if you want to support 40 and 20 or the Watch Clicker, because this is free labor, free products, you can do so at patreon.com slash 40 and 20. And don't forget to tune back in next Thursday for another hour of watches, food, drinks, life, and other things we like. Bye-bye.